Welcome into another week of Unlocked with Fox's Brock Hewitt. I'm Lance Taylor from the next round. It is on Disrupt the Media. Make sure you like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up. We would appreciate that. It is always brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Use that code next round. Get a free deposit, first deposit bonus, mybookie.ag. Make sure you use that code next round. Conference championship games are here. You're going to be in Las Vegas. Um, that's one of those towns. I used to be able to do 72 hours. I've backed mm-hmm. it up. I cannot do more than 48 hours. I like the town a lot. It it takes advantage of me while I take advantage of it. Um, but you're doing something pretty cool that people have been talking about. How much did the sphere cost to build? Wasn't it like SoFi, like a billion dollars? Oh, I think it was. Yeah, it was outrageous. It was outrageous. I thought you were going to ask how much of the tickets that, uh, that Benetti is supporting our crew with. I don't know. He won't tell me. He won't tell me because he went to the U2 concert like a month ago. He was there. Jason was for something. And he's like, you know, I'm going to go to this U2 concert in the sphere, see what it's all about. And he just was raving. So as we were watching, knowing that this year, last year, we had the Pac-12 title game. Every year it flip-flops between networks, or it did. This year we have the Mountain West, and we're watching. I'm like, man, my Air Force, my Air Force, right down the road. I get a home game, get the crew at my house. You know, just entertain them all here, and they're starting eight. No, I'm almost like booking booking air mattresses downstairs in the basement right. for the crew to sleep in. And then they just went and just lost four in a row, got beat up. And then as we're kind of looking at it, is it Boise? Is it San Jose? UNLV? And I don't know if you know this. I don't know how much you cover the Mountain West, but it, the three they have three computers that decided it Sunday morning. So it was a three way tie. They were all six and two, and it went to three different computers. Uh, based on those rankings to figure out the two that are going to play. And ultimately it's in Vegas that will follow the, so I'll get to watch the Huskies and ducks Friday night from down there, which will be great. And then they got to turn it right around and we'll kick off at noon on Saturday. So who draw the, uh, drew the short straw, San Jose state. Yes. Yeah. If you're San Jose state, you're pretty bummed because you just beat UNLV. Yeah. Well, you just beat them and they're the hottest team actually in the mountain West. Correct. You know, after that one and five start, I mean, they just been rolling. They have, and uh, Brennan, good coach, man. He's their their head coach, a good coach. And I actually remember way back when, when Kalen DeBoer was hired, it was really him or the San Jose State coach, just two guys from that conference that can both get the most out of their personnel. Kalen has certainly done that, and I think that head coach will be a coach somewhere here sooner rather than like the job that he's done in San Jose, and heck, the job that Barry Odom did at UNLV this year to go nine and three down there first. First nine-win season since, I think, Randall Cunningham in yep. 1984. It's been You're a right, and, and I was watching a UNLV game, believe it or not, when you asked me how much I watched the Mountain West, Lanceslock.com, every league, uh, we throw them out there. But they showed, and this is about a month ago, they showed a Randall Cunningham cut mm-hmm. and how cheap the gear and uniforms were oh. back in the 80s, and especially oh. with a program like UNLV before Tarkanian really got it up and rolling. Yeah, yeah, just the mesh, the, the mesh shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and terrible helmets with the decal oh, yes. is all clawed oh, up. Oh, so gosh. you're going to be in Vegas. Yep. Um, and speaking of Vegas and the Pac-12, that is where the Pac-12 championship is. And Vegas right now is Oregon a nine and a half point favorite over a team they've already beaten. And to me, I thought the number would come Oregon four or five, just based on where these teams are mm-hmm. right now. But a lot of people think this is going to be a bloodbath in. I mean, Michael Penix, as good as Bo Nix is, and maybe he wins this Heisman Trophy, maybe he you know, shuts it down and, and solidifies it on Friday night against Washington, avenging that loss. But to me, Michael Penix is a better quarterback. Well, Bo, I mean, uh, it's tough for me to say that. I watched him back-to-back nights, right? So I had the Civil War Friday night 
we got on a bus and drove up to Seattle. Had just honestly about four or five times, Lance, where I was like pinching myself. Like this is a college football fan's dream. And actually, Jake Dickert on the field Saturday before the kick. I always go down to the field, see the coaches, players, kind of get my last eyes on guys. He said the same thing. He's like, you ever realize how cool your job is? And I'm like, I do. There are many times I do. And on this trip in particular, but watching the level that Bo is playing with right now and playing at Lance, I think you say that you probably have scar tissues from three years at Auburn, right? Where you watched him down yep. there up close and the folks on the West Coast don't have that. You know, they don't have many of those memories. They just know that this dude's making his 60th start, which will never be done again in the history of college football. As long as there's not another p- pandemic, who knows? There, there might be with our way our world works. You never know. But if there is not, I mean, f- outside of force du jour, 60th start it's in insane. college football. And Penix can't be far behind. He's got to be no, around he is. He, he, yeah, no, he got banged up a few different years at Indiana. So he actually is. I think he's in the – I think he's somewhere in the 40s. Yeah, but, and I guess um, when Bo played a 10-game schedule in 2020, correct. you know, Penix with uh, the Big Ten, they were playing those silly four or five-game schedules. Correct, correct. Yeah, whatever it was. The um, following year got banged up and didn't play. Penix got a, a, a more NFL arm, but the brain right now, the processing, what Bo is doing, um, Lance, we sat with him and literally, I mean, these guys that I sit with now compared to 10 years ago, these are like pros. Right. Yeah. I mean, they were already at some places getting paid like pros. Um, now they're all getting paid. But just, you know, when you've been at it six years, five years, you got 60 stars under your belt. He's not taking he's got an online, you know, probably an online class, maybe. But he is in there on Tuesday. <laughs> Seriously, he is. He, he walked through our schedule with us. He's like the first time in five years where I feel like my routine is great. I wish I would have learned it earlier. I'm like, Bo, you couldn't do that five years ago. You actually had to to go to classes because now you have no class. You're in in staff meetings. He sits with the staff for four hours on Tuesdays. I believe that. And I think there was so much pressure, him being a legacy, and all of this pressure coming in and playing at Auburn in his first game. By the way, and I found that I I went back and I I looked at the numbers because I think I did it on the fly with you. But his first game ever was against Justin Herbert in Oregon. Yep. And, you know, from that moment, Gus Malzahn after the game said, this kid is going to do special things. And so that pressure was always there yep. for him. But him and Herbert have the exact same amount of starts. I think Herbert has one more because of one postseason start. Mm-hmm. But, boy, that just shows you the experience of Bo Nix. And, look, it's it's been an incredible story. With all this said, the team that you cover uh, mostly with the, uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the sports talk you do in Seattle is Washington. Um, I mean – Washington, with all the experience, we talk about experience, the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they've got fifth, six-year guys back yep. there. Yep. Um, they've got to have a fighting shot, right? They do. Uh, yeah, I, we'll get to the Seahawks maybe later. And I, I just ask you, which is the more surprising line? The Seahawks nine-and-a-half-point dogs in Dallas Thursday night or the Huskies nine-and-a-half in Vegas to the Ducks? Which of those two – and I'll get to UW here in a second. Which of those two yeah, kind of fits you? I, well, so obviously uh, you get more – inflated college numbers in the NFL, you seldom see a double-digit dog. Right. And uh, I don't know, man. Dallas seems to play up and down to competition. Yeah, they do. And, then, yeah. and the Seahawks are totally desperate. And I don't know the last time Pete lost three in a row. It's not very often. And how many times in a row he's laid an egg on national television, as they did last week on Thanksgiving. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. And they're and, desperate, desperate, desperate. And, and you've said this before. McVay has got his number for whatever reason. So they've yep. lost two to them. And then – Last week, they just ran into a juggernaut, which is San Francisco. San Francisco, we saw them against Dallas. They outclassed them. They were much better. Yep. And I saw Seattle in week two go on the road and beat a better, in my opinion, Detroit team than Dallas. So 
to me, that number surprises me a little bit more because mm -hmm. I've heard for the last couple of weeks that Oregon was going to be the favorite here. I'm just a little surprised yep. Yep. it's above a touchdown. That's a big number. Yeah, nine and a half. So Oregon, we had Kalen DeBoer on our show this morning, and he brought up a good point that really once because everybody said, hey, look, since October 14th, you know, the day that those two teams play, they've gone in different directions, right? Oregon has just blown the doors off of everybody. Nobody in college football has a better scoring differential. Nobody has a better yardage differential, the game control, all the things that the committee has factored in and why they've got him number five. But Kayla made a good point, which I had not thought of nor made myself. And that was, hey, listen, since October 14th, they've been in winter go home. I mean, their backs were right up against the wall. Like if, if they wanted to realize their goals and they too, Lance, are grown men. Six-year senior D-tackle, six-year senior D-tackle, seventh-year senior D-tackle, right? Fourth-year defensive end, fourth-year line. They're all just grown men. They're not babies playing out there. They're all fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh-year guys on both sides. So it's going to be, you know, a very professional. It's going to feel like a. it's going to be an NFL stadium. going to have an NFL kind of vibe to it. And the Huskies, for the first time since October 14th, will actually have that reversed. Instead of the biggest target on them, instead of making everybody season, instead of trying to chase perfection, which had never been done in conference play until they got it done to go nine and zero, oh, now it's the other side. Now it's like, oh, oh, really? You, you you don't think we got a chance? You think we're the under? We beat these guys the last two times we played them this year and last year. We know who they are. They know who we are. They know our weapons. And I think most importantly for Michael Penix, because I don't know how much of the Apple Cup you got to watch. And I just saw the numbers. I think it was the most app watched Apple uh, Cup in history. Almost 6 million people off of the Michigan-Ohio State no, game. I, I had Washington minus 16 and a half. I watched. Yeah, oh, you did watch. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I would have, I, I well, maybe I, I don't know what I would have told you. It, it, rivalry games are always really, really hard to predict. See Auburn, Alabama as well. But, uh, you know, you just you watch that game. And at the end of it, you know, Penix is under the under the hood. And that's actually where he talks to the offensive coordinator. So it's not like he was throwing up necessarily in there, but he couldn't even watch. And, you know, his OC said yesterday, well, he was a little under the weather. Yeah, he wasn't sick. He was just emotionally done. Yeah. Senior day, all he's been through, chasing perfection, carrying all that he's carried this year he's kind of the silent assassin he isn't one that's real verbose he doesn't wear all of that and I think honestly after nearly back-to-back -back interceptions <laughs> and then a sack I mean he was just done and he got under that hood and was just totally and completely spent and if there's anything that re-energizes you like Mike Tyson's punch out it's been a nine, nine and a half point underdog in the championship. Uh, he is uh, Fox's Brock Heward. This is Unlocked. It is brought to you by Lance's Lock. Jump on board. The NBA, college basketball, all the conference championship games, sides, totals, player props. We do it all at Lance'sLock.com. So there is going to be controversy when we talk next week at whatever time about <laughs> who the four teams are in the playoff. Do you foresee, because the fear in SEC country is, Alabama beats Georgia and both Georgia and Alabama are left out. I don't see any world where if Alabama beats Georgia, both of those teams to me should be in. But do you see based on the last year of the Pac-12, Washington, Oregon, would you almost guarantee me the winner is in? Yeah, The, the winner is going to be in. I mean, they're sitting there at three and five. The, and the committee has had Oregon where Oregon sat here for the last every one of these rankings, right? Ahead of a one-loss Texas, ahead of a one-loss Alabama. They love the metrics. They love the game control. They love the numbers. They love everything that they have done. If they, if Oregon wins, they're going to be in. If Washington wins, they're going to be in. 
if Florida State wins, they're going to be in. Michigan wins, they're going to be in. So I, I, I have a hard time with any of those four. Whoever those four winners are, and obviously that leaves one last spot, Florida State beats Louisville and goes 13-0, and they are going to be in. Washington beats Oregon, and they go 13-0, they're in. Michigan goes 13-0 and beats Iowa, they're in. Those three are in. I don't think there's any other way around that. I have got no problem with Washington. I've got no problem with Michigan. But Florida State is a different team without Jordan Travis. And if it truly is the best teams and not the most deserving teams, and I know people are going to say, why do you play a regular season? But you can't tell me that a one-loss Georgia or a one-loss Alabama SEC champion is not Mm -hmm. much better than Florida State. And talking about numbers in Vegas, both of those would be 14-plus favorites over Florida State. Hmm. Well, what where it gets interesting then is also, and and I don't know if that's going to happen. I really, I really don't. I think Michigan's going to handle Iowa. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a given. I think I that's think, the one thing we I, know. Yes, I'm not. I toss up. What what's the line in the Florida State uh, uh, Louisville game? It's only Florida State two and a half. Yeah. So that's a that's an absolute coin flip. I could see the Cardinals going up and down the field and Brom scoring a little bit. Wouldn't surprise me at all. So. These things tend to, they really do, they tend to work themselves out. We said that every week. <laughs> I know, but this year is different, right? This year, these top five teams have not lost. These AP teams at the very top, we usually see a weekend of chaos. Over the years, we we usually see the Pac-12 devour itself and 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 carnival be you know carnivorous and take care of business. That didn't happen. Washington ran the table. Does a one-loss Washington team, if that is a coin flip, Right, if it's forty-one thirty-eight, if it's forty-two forty-two, and Oregon makes the field goal and wins, forty-five forty-two, is a one-loss Washington ahead of a one-loss Ohio State? Is a one-loss Washington ahead of a one-loss Georgia or Alabama? If Alabama were to win, I, I don't think so. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think the challenge is, and the committee is going to say, just as they did, and why they had Washington at five uh, behind Florida State continually was. Yeah, game control. Yeah, Arizona State. Yeah, Stanford. Yeah, Utah. Yeah, or all those games were a toss-up. I, we don't care that you won. You didn't have enough style points. And I don't see a one-loss Washington getting in ahead of an Ohio State, nor a one-loss SEC team. I don't see that happening. Well, I mean, I think there is something to brand, too. Now, some people on the other side would say there's Georgia, there's Alabama fatigue. There's even some Ohio State fatigue. But I think when it comes down to a one-loss Georgia or one loss Washington, I think the brand's going to get the benefit of the doubt. Yes, I would tend to agree with that. And what they did over 12 games and, and being largely dominant, you know, maybe not a uh, strength of schedule and strength of opponent, you know, that Washington had to play through their gauntlet of at SC and at Oregon State and everything else. But yeah, not not, not a year that I'm envious of those committee members if things yeah. go in some sort of chaotic fashion this weekend. So we're heading to Atlanta for the SEC championship game. And you know, I, I skipped last year. I didn't go to LSU, Georgia. Didn't expect it to be much of a game. Ultimately, it wasn't much of a game. Last time I went was 2021. And that that was a shocking game to a lot of people based on the fact that Alabama rolled into that game. Mm-hmm. They were injured. Their offensive line was playing terribly. And they were facing one of the best college defenses we had ever seen. In Alabama, everything just hit right. They played an incredible game. And they ultimately won. And they went on and rematched with Georgia for the national championship en route to Georgia's first national championship in 40 years. Um, I think we're going to get another hell of a game. I don't know how you feel about this. Bowers was out last week. I think they mm-hmm. held him back purposely, trying to get him more healthy. Uh, the same with Lad McConkey. Both of those guys are going to be on the field Saturday. But with Jalen Milrow, he has kind of become the ultimate X factor. And I, I don't know how you see this one playing out. But winner, in my opinion, we know if Georgia wins, they should be in. 
I find mm-hmm. it hard to believe if Alabama beats a team that has won 29 consecutive games and back-to-back national championships, they're going to get shut out. So this is ultimately a playoff game. Yes, it is. And, and so is Washington, Oregon. I mean, it, it's a, we don't have 12 teams. We'll have that next year. A lot of this stuff will kind of dissipate and go away, I think. Um, I don't think the depth is going to stretch beyond 12 next year to lead to quite so many of these emotional conversations. Uh, yeah, I, it's <laughs> – I couldn't, I just, so I'm in the booth. They had the the shot of Herbie, right? Um, I don't know if you saw that. The I, did, Snoop, I did. Snoop Cam in the booth. Same thing is our game is going on. I'm looking over there. It's, we got a TV, you know, not as big as theirs up in the corner, but our stack guy had it on over there. I'm like, oh man, Bama just lost. That's crazy. Like Auburn, you freeze, just finds a way. And after that debacle with New Mexico State, they just rally like fourth and third. Like it didn't happen. Like that didn't happen. There's just, there's the odds of that should be one in a hundred. Like that should not happen. Maybe even more. And I, I just, I was. Yeah, according to GameCast, it was. It was ninety nine point nine percent was the win percentage for Auburn at fourth and thirty one. And then that that complete missile that Milrow threw to the back of the yeah. end zone. Great catch. I just terrible no defense. That call. I mean, terrible. It was as bad yeah. as you could possibly ever play right. defense. It was a good throw. But when you're throwing from 35, 40, like that's as bad. My son could have played better defense in that position. And, you All you got to do is turn around. I mean, it, it was just I. Uh, so Hugh Free said he didn't sleep. I mean, I can't imagine if I was a war eagle and everything of this season, the ups and the downs. But at least you could hang your hand on that. Like we derailed them, we beat them, we knocked them off, and then you. I mean, oh my gosh. Well, and imagine if you are a Florida State or a Texas or an Oregon and Alabama or Washington, you, right? Or yeah. Washington, yes. And you look back and you're like, oh my god, all they had to do was play defense on fourth and thirty-one, fourth and you're in a college fourth football playoff. Come on, what, what, yeah. what are we doing here? Just see the ball. Just just have eyes to the ball. Just, you know, play the ball, and it's over. It's done. And they're probably even going to let you get away with some contact and not necessarily want to throw a penalty in that situation. I mean, it just was – yeah, it was uh, it was shocking. So can a, can a one loss, if Alabama beats Georgia, a one loss Alabama jump a one loss Texas? Can a one loss Alabama jump? a one-loss Ohio State that was sitting there, remember, at number one over and yeah. over and over No, I, I over think again. Ohio State, yeah, I don't think – I'm one of those, and look, I, I I do it my way, whatever. But Texas beat them head-to-head in Tuscaloosa, and I don't it care is. how the teams are playing right now. Texas gets the nod in front of Alabama. But I have to, I'd have to do the same thing. If I'm in that committee room, then what are we doing? Like, yeah, Booger McFarland tweeted that out. Like, how is this going to be any kind of controversy? Like – they went head to head. What more do you want? And they did it in your house. Yeah. And that is the beauty of college football. Whether you like it or you hate it, it's going to change. And sadly, it's going to change because there's elements of this that, and this was when I was at ESPN for all those years, Lance. It was the thing that they would hold fast to, the thing that differentiates us from the gorilla of the NFL. And that is every week matters. Every, and you don't know which week it's going to be where there could be chaos. You don't know which loss there's going to be in September or October that could spin around and get you at the end of the year, but every week matters. And week two mattered in September, playing in their building, right? After last year where they also went toe-to-toe, and if the corner from Texas doesn't close his eyes on a corner blitz and tackles Bryce Young, they win that game. Right. You know, So they're right there with them. It's not as if, oh, well, we don't really know athletically or, you know, size or we'd beat them. Like, no, no, they went toe-to-toe with you for the last two years and beat you in your bu- in your building this year. And that has to get the benefit of the doubt. So, gut feel as we record Unlocked right here on Disrupt the Media. Like, subscribe, give us a thumbs up. It is always brought to you by MyBookie, MyBookie.ag. Use that code next round. They're going to hook you up at checkout. Gut feel right now. Who wins? Georgia, Bama. 
Georgia. Georgia. Just still too, too many horses. Game, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think still a tight game. Just too many horses defensively, right? Just too much depth. How many teams this year, Lance, when we travel around college football and certainly in in Eugene with with a couple of disciples, Kirby and, and Nick and Tosh LaPoy and Dan Lanny, like, yeah, you you see the way they built their team. Week one, when I had Rice, Texas, week one, and talked to Steve week 13. And week one, he was like, hey, man, I saw it. I saw firsthand and up close what you have to do. You have to build 24 defenders. And that when that two deep comes on, it's in, in all the different pieces of it. That's what George has done. We can talk about as much as anything else. And, and I love this component of it because Pete Carroll changed college football in the 2000s. He played true freshman more before anybody else. There was still that, ah, you red shirt, you grow them. We went with old, old guys. And Pete was like, uh-uh, this freshman's ready. I'll take my lumps in September, and we're going to win titles in November and December. You know, we're going to be better with them. And what, what Kirby's done in the last three, four, or five years there at Georgia and Nick before him, but even Kirby Moore, is we are going to build too deep in today's college football. Have to have it. Time, tempo, plays, everything, longer seasons, going to play now 13, 14, 15 games. Got to have 24 guys. And Oregon's got it. Texas has got it. Georgia's got it. And I think got more depth than Alabama does going into this one. So to the NFL, best record, still Philadelphia. They found another way to win in bad conditions against Buffalo. <laughs> Truly is amazing. They're getting outgained. They're getting outplayed in some situations. But they just know how to win. But now they've got San Francisco. And you and I have talked about this 49 roster which we believe it's the best in all of football um and i still go back last year and maybe this is because at lanceslock.com we had the 49ers in the nfc championship game once brock purdy gets hurt they don't have a quarterback they, they can't throw the no football yep. game's over so we really don't know how that game would have played out this is a personal game for san francisco because if you lose this one still a lot of season to go but it looks like that number one seed is almost locked up agreed uh, with a three-game lead for philadelphia at that point and the head-to-head um, San Francisco, better roster, but Philadelphia's got the intangibles. Uh, who do you mm -hmm. like in this one? Remind me where it's played again. Uh, this one is going to be in, I think, I, I think, think San Francisco. Yeah, is I think it so. I think. I th I, that's I'll okay. tell you, as, you, as you're why talking you, about it. Why don't you effort that and see yeah, where it's going to be played? And I'll tell you one guy, uh, and I don't know why he doesn't get more pub. Maybe it's because he's been in Bobby Wagner's shadow as a middle linebacker for the last 10 years where Bobby's been the – the all pro and the gold shoes and the 99 Madden rating and everything else. But Fred Warner is a much, much better player than Bobby Wagner um, yeah. and has been the last three, four years. I mean, he hey, is. How is Wagner better this year than he was last year with the Rams? Though? He's not. He's really not. I mean, okay. some of the tackle numbers, you got to be, you got to kind of really watch the game. He's still, he's still productive and he's a great guy. It's but in he is, Philly. He's slowed down. It's in Philly. Yep. Yeah, well, uh, weather will probably play a little that, that conditions. I mean, for San Fran is a team that I think on turf and on short grass is going to be better in a dome environment. I think would would favor those guys just because of their overall team speed and McCaffrey and that Philly field, man. You get to this time of the year and and you saw it in some inclement weather and what they've had to overcome, but you play on that field. I've seen it up close and personal in December and January. It is. It can be rugged. And if it's wet and nasty, that is a huge, huge advantage to the Philadelphia Eagles. But, man, Fred Warner is an X factor. You know, he really is. And when you have Jalen Hurts and as much as he can run and do all the things that he can do, having a guy like Fred that is, a to, to me, more than just a spy, 
I hate that word spy. Oh, look at yeah. spy. We're gonna spy. Right. We're gonna spy. Uh, no, uh, Auburn was spying on fourth and thirty-one. By the way, <laughs> like he's gonna take it to the house, thirty-one yards. Ludicrous. Just yeah. ludicrous. Um, but hey, uh, I would, fa- I would, I would favor San Fran. They're again a little more desperate team. To your point, desperation to me matters. I don't know how you factor that in your bets, Lance, and and human nature and everything else, yeah. but. But I find like, oh yeah, we got a little cushion. You know, we got a little, we built ourselves up a little bit. You know, San Fran has no more cushion. If they want to be the number one seed, they've got to go get this one. Hey, on the flip side in the AFC, like my my top play this past weekend in the NFL was Jacksonville. And we had a six and three Saturday. We ended up going two and one on Sunday, and then we had the nice. Bears on Monday night. So we had a we had a nice weekend in football, no doubt. But I uh and my one loss, by the way, was Zay Flowers trying to show out. All he had to do was take a knee. And we get home and we have a perfect slate in the NFL. Mm. But with all that said, Jacksonville, it wasn't an easy win, but they get out of there, get out of Houston with the win. And now they're your number one seed in the AFC. I thought they were going to be good. I thought they would win the South. I did not expect them at this point in the season to be the number one seed in the deep AFC. Yeah, I kind of I kind of like their front, man. They got some dudes, you know, and they, they stockpiled some of those top picks in, in the past and Josh yeah, Allen is unblockable, man. Oh my gosh! You just watch the relentlessness uh, of their crew, and and kudos to CJ Stroud. He is he has been phenomenal. I actually watched a a bunch of that game this weekend, Lance, and and just his poise. And he's gonna maybe silence this whole Ohio State QB thing. He might be he might be the elixir to it because of his accuracy and his anticipation and just how much his game translates uh, to the NFL level, but. Yeah, Jacksonville to me, and when we started to see this last year, they turned last year. They make the playoff run last year. Trevor gets comfortable. Doug Peterson's an excellent you know, QB trainer, QB coach, head coach, sees it through those lenses. But the thing that just strikes me is just speed, fast, violent, physical. Those things that, you know, if you can do it week in and week out and they're young enough and have young enough people to still be doing that, yeah, you become a pretty dangerous animal. Okay, before we wrap here on another edition of Unlocked, I asked this question about guys on the next round earlier today. If Bryce Young, sight unseen in the NFL, we can't see any of this crap that's gone down in Carolina with Frank Wright being being fired. If it's just Bryce Young taking a year off, and the lasting uh, impression was Bryce Young um, against Kansas State last year and winning a Heisman Trophy in 2021, if he came out with this deep class of quarterbacks, where does he go? Is he number two behind Caleb Williams? Mm Mm-hmm. And there's no okay, so like take this year totally away, right? right. Just wipe this year totally away yep. and take him coming off of that sugar bowl and put him in this draft class. Because yeah. it looks bad right now, and everybody's like, Oh, I told you CJ Stroud was the guy. Well, I think if right. you flipped him, no, I think, I think Bryce of, would yeah. Bryce would have some success in Houston, and I think they would have issues in Carolina. I would tend to totally agree with that. Yeah, I think Caleb now the, the evaluation over the next two, three months. Lance going to be pretty fascinating. The hay is not totally in the barn. I know that these guys, McShay and DJ, love to say that, that, you know, most of the evaluation is done. The hay is in the barn. It's over. It's all about the tape. I don't think so. I think it's about your senior bowl. I think it's about your combine. I think it's about your interviews. And I don't know if I told you this story, and if I did, you can stop me. But some years ago when I was doing the NFL, um, I had Buffalo and I had Josh Allen. And then we had a good chat with the G, their GM Bean. Can I can I ask you this? It wasn't a yeah. Rams game where they got the phantom fourth down. It was call. exactly that game. It was uh, exactly it was so, that game. So pathetic. Anyway. It was a pathetic call, and I think yeah. I said that yeah. as much. We didn't have the relationship that you and I do now. But if do you remember you know, the defensive back it was on? Sadly, I do. No, 
It was Darius Williams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, poor guy. He got totally hosed on that. It was ridiculous. Um, but anyhow, that year or in the draft process, we were talking about them getting to Josh Allen because that year is going to be similar to this year where it's going to be some Baskin Robbins, right? What flavor do you want? That year, that was Rosen and Allen and Darnold and Lamar and Baker. And I mean, five dudes first round. I think we're going to have easily five in this first round, maybe more. And um, he said, you know, one of the big keys, you know, in the whole evaluation for us, because if the hay was in the barn with just the film, I mean, Josh was hyper inaccurate, 57% passer in Wyoming in the wind tunnel. But what was really important is they took all five of them and brought them to their place and had given them the playbook and, and a set of plays. And then they all came in for their formal interviews and put them on the whiteboard. And there was, you know, Q&A and he was off the charts. He was clearly clear cut out of the five in their mind. The, the one we're going to take. And it's going to be the same way with this QB class, with Caleb, with Drake, with JJ, if he comes out, with Bo, with Jaden, <laughs> with Penix, who's probably going to fall down a rung or two just because of his injury history. But my gosh, it's going to be going to be fascinating. To answer your question point blank, he'd be behind Caleb. Yeah. Just yeah, because of the size and the athleticism factor. Yeah, and and just, I know you're, you're a former quarterback, so you're a rep guy. But, you know, I brought up Carson Beck is draft eligible. And and I really think over his next three games, if they beat Alabama, could put himself up there. Again, I know they like quarterbacks to have a lot of reps, but he's got the size. He's got, He can make every throw on the field. Yeah. And if he was to dominate against an Alabama defense and then a Michigan defense, who knows? I mean, that guy could rise quickly. He could. He's going to have to fight the Mitch Trubisky. He's going to have to yeah. fight the Trey Lance. He's going to have to fight the stories here of the last three, four, five years where the league might not be that smart and it may still be, you know, at times a copycat league, but I think the struggles of those one and done, you know, Mitch and Trey over the last couple of years, like, no, no, no. Yeah. And Mark Sanchez. Yeah. I, I mean, Sanchez I, was further back, but yeah, just in recent memory, <laughs> 49ers give up and Morgan, 49ers are not wrong very often, right? Yeah. Like they have hit, 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 home run, home run, home run, home run. They were dead wrong on that one. And I think the league would go, ooh, if John and, and Kyle missed out on that, and, you know, they thought just the one year was enough. Maybe there is something to see in 60 starts for Bo Nix. Well, and I don't know if you've ever spent time in Athens, Georgia, but if I'm Carson Beck, I, I get an NIL deal. I yeah. come back to Athens and uh, I slay it on the field. Did and you say uh, you have a lot get one? You think he doesn't <laughs> Oh, I think he's got one, but I yes. think in, he's got a little what we call leverage now, That's bro. true, brother. That is yeah. true. And he could be like, you know what? I could go to the NFL unless you guys want to, you know, throw together a million dollars and yep. a couple of cars. So Yeah, you know, yeah. I got uh, – I don't know if you saw that uh, one little viral. I just slipped in a little comment on my radio show this week in Seattle about Cam Ward having multiple seven-figure offers already out there. And uh, actually someone down, I think, in Arkansas land caught that and, and it's kind of <laughs> gone a few places. And, I mean, that's straight – like my, my so source, about, source about as good as it gets on that one. So SEC? Um, I don't know. I don't know the exact schools. I just know that he has multiple, multiple, multiple seven figure offers. Well, look, you, you've seen him and, and the play wasn't as good. Like in September, he was electrifying. Yep. But we had on your colleague, Joel Klatt, and I asked him early on when people weren't talking about Cam Ward. I said, if Alabama had Cam Ward and this is when Jalen Milrow was struggling a little struggling. bit. Yep. He said, I think Alabama would win the national championship. Cam Ward's that good. So, mm. you know, I, you put him in the, the right system with the yep. right talent around him, yep. 
He yep. could be exceptional. Auburn, Arkansas, A and M. It'll be there. There's going to be a bunch of you know, West Coast schools, a bunch of bidders. He he grew up a lot. He grew on me a lot this year. I saw him as I said last year against Wisconsin, big win. Saw them this year and in, in, in the start they got to. But there's something to some grit, you know. There's something to Bo Nix and having some scars. Yeah. That old uh, poison song, right? The wound yeah. heals, but the scar, that scar will remain. And having some of those wounds and having some of those scars and having some of that scar tissue and overcoming some of the adversity, Joe Burrow, leaving Ohio State, first year at LSU, wasn't all that particularly good, but just learning and growing from that. And uh, Cam's a pretty mature kid. He grew on me quite a bit with his just emotional maturity and mentality and handling everything. And yeah, he's going to be a pretty good get wherever he lands. Only un unlocked with Fox's Brock Hewer can you get the vernacular and go deep with verbose. Sure. And then we get we get the the lyrics quoted from one of the greatest love songs of all time, one of the greatest ballads in every rose in Brett Michaels and Poison. That's its thorn. Sure. Hey, uh, have fun in Vegas. If you if you need plays, <laughs> give me a text, Lance'slog.com. We got them for you. Yeah. Enjoy the sphere and uh you two. The only time I had an opportunity to see you two, I was at Super Bowl 36 in New Orleans, Rams versus Tom Brady and the Patriots. And I had a choice whether to run and get a beer because the lines were kind of soft because people wanted to watch you two or watch you two. And I went and got a beer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're they're very polarizing, as it turns out. They're very, very polarizing. The show isn't. I, I hear the show is unbelievable. I will let you know. Man, we're going to have a lot to talk about next Wednesday. Yeah, can't wait. You just let <laughs> yes. me know when you can talk next week, and we'll get together. But uh, always great stuff. It is Unlocked with Fox's Brock Hewitt. It is brought to you by MyBookie. Use that promo code next round to get a first deposit bonus, mybookie.ag. Thanks, brother. Safe travel. Appreciate you. Thanks, Lance.